0: Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, the election system of the Virgin Islands holds its first training for residents seeking to be delegates for the Sixth Constitutional Convention. Legislation to reduce the length of time for unemployment benefits receives favor from lawmakers. The Office of the Lieutenant Governor's Street Addressing Initiative is nearing its completion. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed.
1: From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas.
0: Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. The election system of the Virgin Islands held their first in a series of trainings for the sixth Constitutional Convention nomination petition. St. Croix Deputy Supervisor of Elections Terrell Alexandri led the training held at the Systems office in the Sunny Isles shopping center on St. Croix the current law establishing the 6th constitutional convention dictates the process by which 15 delegates must be elected during the general election on Tuesday November 5th requiring seven residents from St. Croix seven residents from St. Thomas and one resident from St. John an amendment to the law, however, states that every qualified voter may vote for no more than seven candidates for the legislative district for which the voter is a resident, totaling 14. Alexandre says that needs clarification from the legislature.
2: We don't know how the individual from St. John will run. Typically, in the past, based on the legislation, we don't understand it's two different campuses. The person from St. John typically runs at large, um, that's our understanding of what should have happened.
0: The original language said that every qualified voter may vote for no more than five candidates from their district and no more than five candidates for at-large delegate, totaling 15. Former Senator Janelle Sarro, who proposed the initial legislation establishing the 6th Constitutional Convention, says the changes to the original legislation boils down to politics.
2: We can't polarize the issue around around matters of the constitution and status and all that good stuff. So I think it's interesting that they you know, it was already in, they took it back out, and now they've returned back to um to square one.
0: Saro said there should be an at large representation when it comes to drafting a constitution because it's a collective document.
2: Allowing people to vote for at-large delegates because of globalization, because of the free movement between St. Thomas and John and St. Croix, there are people at St. John that may want to vote for an at-large delegate from St. Croix. There's somebody from St. Croix that may want to vote for somebody at large from St. John or St. Thomas. And we have to kind of equalize the playing field when it comes to representatives for a constitutional convention
0: the election system has offered a recommendation to the Office of Senate President Noble Francis Jr. to clear up any issues. In a statement to the newsfeed, the Senate president stated the amendment is a collective goal to ensure that no voter or district is disenfranchised, and that he is confident the proposed amendment will help to accomplish the goal. He hopes to bring the amendment to the floor at next month's legislative session. The St. Thomas St. John nomination training is being held this evening at 5.30 at the elections office in Lockhart Gardens, upstairs from Banco Popular. Federal prosecutors have decided not to pursue the death penalty for 51-year-old Richardson Dangleben Jr. for the fatal shooting of Virgin Islands police detective Delbert Phipps Jr. Assistant U.S. Attorney Michael Conley filed a notice stating that the United States intends to proceed with either a non-capital trial or plea agreement in the matter and will not seek the death penalty. Lawmakers voted favorably on a bill introduced by Senate President Novo Francis at the request of Governor Albert Bryan Jr. that the administration says is intended to make significant reforms to the unemployment insurance statute. Department of Labor Commissioner Gary Malloy told lawmakers they are seeking to decrease the duration of unemployment benefits from 26 weeks to 16 weeks.
3: It's important to clarify that this reduction in weeks does not mean a decrease in the actual amount of unemployment benefits received by claimants.
0: He stated while the reduction may be viewed as limiting benefits and diminishing the safety net provided by unemployment compensation, the reduction would actually have two main advantages.
3: It maintains the overall funding for unemployment compensation at a similar level, while encouraging individuals to rejoin the workforce within a shorter period of time. Secondly, extensive research indicates that many claimants seeking benefits secure employment and cease relying on benefits within a 16 week time frame
0: in cases of disasters or emergencies leading to a 5% rise in the unemployment insurance rate claimants would be able to access the national extended benefits program that would provide an additional 13 weeks of benefits for eligible individuals the decision to shorten the benefit window they say was backed by about 20 years worth of data collected by the department and aims to strike a balance in what they say would positively impact the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund.
3: We're not changing the amount that the claimant would be able to receive within that same time period. That's important to note because okay. we recognize, based on the cost of living and our inflation rates in the territory, that it, 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 we would be pretty much shooting ourselves in the foot if we do that to our, our residents. So what what is happening is somebody was supposed to get $12,000, for example, within the 26 weeks. They will still be able to get the same 12000 within the 16 weeks. What we are trying to make sure that happens is that the individuals are able to get back into the workforce a lot faster.
0: Ivan James and Joe Williams, who were facing charges for the 2017 murder of LeVar Pogson on St. Croix, were found not guilty by jurors of first-degree murder and possession of firearms in the commission of first-degree murder. Jurors, however, found James guilty of aiding and abetting the use of firearms in relation to a drug conspiracy which led to Pogson's murder on May 25th of 2017. James is facing the possibility of life in prison for that crime, and a sentencing date has not yet been scheduled. The 12-member juror also found James and Williams guilty of conspiring to possess and sell marijuana, with James also being found guilty of conspiring to possess and sell cocaine. Jurors also found James guilty of possessing 1,000 or more marijuana plants on July 14, 2017. They found him not guilty of possession of cocaine on that date. He was also convicted of being in possession of three illegal firearms back in August of 2017. The Street Addressing Initiative under the Office of the Lieutenant Governor is the largest infrastructure project to be set upon since the territory's road systems were built. Chris George, the program administrator at the Office of the Lieutenant Governor, says the completion of the project will also benefit the territory by federal standards.
4: Two aspects, one that the Senator Fonseca brought up um, that will be resolved almost immediately uh, would be the BMV's real ID process, whereas the address that they want to use nationally is a street address. So as soon as that component is fixed within our local infrastructure, they'll be able to process and use the real ID system as it's supposed to be. Secondly, for folks like uh, U.S. Census, which we can't get specific demographic data below the estate um, level right now. That is specifically because of street addressing. So that is something that is gonna be able to be fixed right away.
0: He says about 40% of the territory's small streets still do not have names.
4: So we do have all the urban areas completed. So we can utilize that, and we have been utilizing that internally, but as far as having the post office use it or having census use it or IRS and those folks use it, they want to see us into the official national address database, and that only happens once we finish the project.
0: The project's total cost will be about $5.3 million, and George hopes it will be completed within the next 18 months. To move completion along, they have been actively seeking community involvement.
4: The community naming protocols, as they're officially uh, labeled, is um, a process that uh, community, homeowners association, neighborhood group can call us or go on our website, and we have the documentation, but we like to walk people through it. So, I'll give you an example of what happened in estate Grove Place. Uh, The Grove Place community uh, contacted us knowing that there was a bunch of names in the estate that haven't been named and they want to get everything done. They want to. They want their addresses, they want to be in compliance, they want to get everything done. So what we did is we developed the maps of every unnamed road in the state. We developed the, um, the relevant ownership documentation. So every road has the owners of that road that are attributed to it, that use it for egress and ingress. So every road has its own map and its own ownership document. The ownership document is where The owners sign in agreements. They all pick a name, it goes on the name, there's a space for the name, and they all sign in agreements.
0: For more information to contribute to the street naming, go to the Office of the Lieutenant Governor's website at ltg.gov.vi under the Divisions tab and select the GIS Program and Street Addressing Initiative page. Lawmakers heard testimony on an amendment to increase access to behavioral health services, with a focus on a psychiatric emergency response team that would provide mobile crisis intervention services and the 988 telecommunication system. 988 is the universal telephone number for the National Suicide Prevention and Mental Health Crisis Hotline System in the United States, operating through the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The bill's sponsor, Senator Diane Capehart, said it was crucial in expanding mental health services in the territory.
2: The reality is we absolutely need to untangle the relations between the mental health and criminal justice system in the territory.
0: Department of Health Commissioner Justa Encarnacion testified in support of the measure, stating that the 988 system worked as a conduit for timely intervention and ensuring assistance arrives when it was most crucial. She also explained how the department planned on staffing the initiative.
5: So one of the things, our newest um, effort right now is working with Morehouse um, College and, and University, focusing on behavioral health. So we've been speaking with with psychiatrists, nurse practitioners, looking to see how we can actually hold those down. We have presented that um, as a contract, looking at that to the governor as well as to OMB requesting funding for that. So we need to increase the number of, of um, practitioners we have throughout the territory, but under the varying levels.
0: While senators agreed that the territory needed expanded mental health services, Senator Donna Fred Gregory wanted to know plans on how the venture would be funded. But that's an important component to the success of this legislation. What is the Department of Health's perspective? Because it's one thing on the federal level for the 988, but we have to establish how we're going to fund this on the local level. So, what, what's the discussion that we're having with regards to funding this?
5: We're looking at it from two perspectives. We have mm-hmm. some federal funds, we're using the federal funds to support staffing as well as the equipment and supplies. Two, We are actually going to add this to our um, general fund budget for the year 2024-25, so that we can actually have sufficient and consistent funding to support this program.
0: Senator Capehart chose to hold the bill in committee pending several amendments. Most of what she says speaks to the language on the implementation of the program. She spoke with us on the concerns related to funding the initiative.
2: It's hard to really, try to identify funding in these hard times where you know when the government say oh we don't have any money for in general fund but certain things like you know where we try to mimic certain things as what they do in the mainland helps so in compliance with the national suicide hotline designation act of 2020 The the Department of Health may impose a monthly territory-wide 988 fee on each resident, Um, a subscriber or commercial, landlord, telephone, mobile phone, IP, enable voice services. These are some of the things that we can tap into to pay for some of these things. So these are some of the questions that were concerns of my my colleagues and I totally understand. Um, But, you know, as I mentioned yesterday, no legislation is perfect. And I don't expect that, you know, sometimes you bring legislation that it, it passes one time.
0: The Virgin Islands Justice Initiative is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's focused on creating opportunities for the poor to succeed through economic justice and poverty law. They provide free legal representation, education, and resources for economic and social mobility. Its founder, attorney Casey Payton, is making strides towards a goal of securing 50 expungements this year. She says they've already secured two for the year, and it's a continuation of work the Justice Initiative started in 2023.
6: I was able to meet with 20 clients, um, and of those 20, um, we were able to obtain six expungements, um, but there were several at the end of the year um, still before the courts um, that we're hoping to um, receive expungement and orders for early this year.
0: Expungement falls under their Clean Slate program, and she says they're expanding their outreach with the launch of their new teen educational and deterrence project that they're calling Know Your Rights.
6: It's where we're going to have attorneys inside either schools Uh, neighborhoods, youth groups. um, It's focused on grades 7 through 10. And it's to talk to teens about how seemingly innocent behavior could actually be criminal in nature. They'll have an opportunity to ask attorneys questions and to learn about their rights.
0: She says the justice initiative also provides legal research and data support.
6: We're often asked by senators or other people in the community, you know, what kind of data do we have to support uh, the work that we do? Um, We're in the middle of doing a proposal for UVI. We have a faculty advisor where we are going to um, try to do an independent review board um, so that we can ethically um, cultivate some data from the work that we're doing and be able to provide that information in numbers.
0: Jasmine, a client of attorney Payton who got her record expunged, says trying to initiate the process on her own seemed daunting and stressful. She says when she got news of her expungement, it felt like a weight had been lifted off of her.
7: I couldn't breathe. I was holding my breath. It felt like for two years as everything was 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 happening and going through the process. Um, and so now. Here with this expungement, I feel like it just gives me a chance to move forward in life. Um, I, I still have a good chance at being successful in my career field. Um, you know, I have a chance to for people to not prejudge me, I guess, and just allow myself to, I guess, integrate back into the community without feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, did they... Did they read this about me or did they see this about me or did they look up my case or whatever the case may be? Now, I I feel like it's the door is just completely closed.
0: Jasmine says she's grateful for the Justice Initiative, who not only got her record expunged, but contacted local news sources to have information of her arrest removed from online. She says having the record stopped her from applying for jobs and the expungement has given her the confidence to pursue new opportunities.
7: Now with the expungement, um, when they do ask, you know, do you have a record? I can truthfully say no, because the expungement that's part of the that's part of what happens when you do have an expungement. So I feel like it just frees me from just other other things besides jobs that just is just freeing in general. And I, I don't know if a better word to to put there, but free would have to be the word for sure.
0: Police announced the arrest of a man in connection to a stabbing incident at Bougainville Gardens on St. Croix. Virgin Islands Police Department Public Relations Coordinator Kishma Chichester has the details of the incident.
8: Police were dispatched to Bougainvillea Gardens apartment in Frederickstead Town on February 8, 2024 at about 12.52 a.m. A concerned citizen reported to emergency dispatchers that a male was stabbed. The emergency medical technicians rendered medical aid and transported the victim to the Wang F. Louis hospital. The victim sustained a stab wound to the right side of his neck and was in critical condition at the time. Members of the Criminal Investigation Bureau's investigation disclosed that Mr. Omari Horton stabbed the victim in the neck with a knife. Mr. Omari Horton, age 30, was placed under arrest for attempted murder in the first degree, assault first and possession of a dangerous weapon during the commission of a crime of violence. He was booked and unable to post bail in the amount of $100,000. Mr. Horton was then transported to the John Bell Correctional Facility where he was remanded pending his advisor rights hearing at the Superior Court set for February ninth, 2024. Further investigation disclosed that the victim identified by next of kin as 42-year-old Mr. Rupert Rivera later succumbed to, to his injuries at the Wang F. Louis Hospital emergency room.
0: In final attempts to appeal to Virgin Islands voters, President Donald Trump spoke with independent radio talk show host John Frederick, who is on St. Croix, covering today's Republican caucus.
2: You know, Mr. President, today is the day of the Virgin Islands nominating caucuses. Um, what is your message of hope to the people of the Virgin Islands, sir? Well, they're great people. They're spectacular people. They're hardworking. They love our country Uh, and they love the Virgin Islands that I can tell you. And we've worked very closely with the Virgin Islands when I was for four years as president. And uh, and really before that, we have just always gotten along. And uh, it's a place, you know, some places are difficult and some places aren't difficult. But this was a place that I just always had a very good relationship with and with the people so I look forward to today. We have a big caucus and the Virgin Islands play a very big role, as you know, and this is going to be a, a big one. And we have uh, also, as you know, I'm going I'm going to do a little traveling today. I'm going to Nevada where we have also a caucus. This is the the big one. And it's a lot of delegates. Both are a lot of delegates. You add it up. It's a big day.
0: Officials for the Virgin Islands GOP Party say they anticipate results from today's caucus by 8 o'clock this evening. In more news, we're turning now to our regional report. As Puerto Rico struggles with chronic power outages and a decaying electric grid, federal officials believe the U.S. territory can make a full shift from fossil fuels to clean energy by 2050. That's according to a report by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Federal Emergency Management Agency that has been two years in the making. The report surprised those who thought that a recent law requiring Puerto Rico to reach 40% of clean energy by next year and 100% by 2050 was unrealistic. Augustin Carbo, Puerto Rico's grid modernization director with the U.S. Department of Energy, said the transition would be a substantial effort that won't happen overnight. As part of the push, officials announced a new federally-funded program that will subsidize residential rooftop solar and battery storage systems for up to 30,000 low-income households on the island. Homeowners who qualify can start applying by February 22nd. Puerto Rico's fragile power grid already depends on temporary generators that were installed last year to lessen the number of outages and allow crew members to do maintenance. In a deal reached earlier this month with FEMA, the island's government will operate the generators through the end of 2050. The grid will also soon be backed by a battery energy storage system as part of a recently approved $648 million project that's funded with federal money. We're turning now to our meteorologist for the territory's weather forecast.
1: After some wet weather, slightly drier air is expected to move in overnight tonight. However, we're still in line for a leftover shower or two. As high pressure slowly takes control of the pattern tomorrow, skies will brighten up nicely. And after some leftover clouds, we should be in pretty good shape. The pattern is expected to remain dry and comfortable as we look forward to the weekend. Although we can't rule out an isolated shower or two both Saturday and Sunday. Looking forward to early next week. No problems right now. Looks like quiet and near-seasonable conditions are expected to continue. Our forecast details. Overnight tonight, we may see a few leftover showers, but by and large, it'll be dry. Lower 70s. Winds will shift around to the north at 10 to 15, turning partly to mostly sunny for Friday. Highs tomorrow in the low 80s. Partly cloudy Friday night, mid-70s. Sunny with isolated showers on Saturday, low to mid-80s. Watch out for rip currents at area beaches. I'm meteorologist Ross Murley.
0: We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura-Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.